and welcome to School of Hustle. I'm your host, Sarah, and this is the show where we chat with everyday entrepreneurs about everything that goes into starting a new venture. New York City is one of the most iconic and expensive real estate markets in the world. Eric Benheim, the CEO, president, and founder of Modern Spaces, has completed over $7 billion in sales and has overseen more than $4 billion worth of real estate at any given time, which equals about 8,000 units. Modern Spaces swept the Long Island City market by storm and completely changed the perception and value of real estate in the area. And it doesn't seem like he has any plans to stop now. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Thank you for joining me. Now, I am a resident of one of your apartment buildings. Yes, you are. And it is literally the nicest place I've ever lived in. Thank you. So your interior design skills have really impressed me. I'm I mean, glad every, to hear. every person that walks in my apartment is like, wow, this is so nice. Yeah, nice, good. Thanks, I'm happy. <laughs> of course, of course. So tell me a little bit about Modern Spaces. Uh, so we're a real estate brokerage and marketing firm. Mm -hmm. And so aside from being like a traditional brokerage where we help somebody find a home, sell a home, or either buy or rent, we also work with developers on mm -hmm. consulting them on the project from the inception all the way to completion. Um, so like this building right here that we're sitting in, uh, this is a project that we had worked on probably for two or three years uh, mm -hmm. prior to you actually moving into the building. Uh, and so the developer would give us a call. Hey, Eric, I'm buying a piece of land. I could do this. What do I, I have this many square feet. What do I do here? Mm -hmm. And then we kind of like help him assemble, the him or her assemble the entire team. So we'll put together the architects, the GCs, the interior designers, like any kind of consultant they'll need. We'll assemble the entire team for them. And then with our research uh, department, we'll kind of say, this is where, where, well, this location will do this many studios, ones, twos, threes. This is how big we make it. Maybe we're targeting millennials. Maybe we're targeting um, young families. Whatever the, whatever the case that we decide what we're targeting, we, we build a building based on that demographic. And then also we do the marketing and the branding all uh, basically in-house. Wow, so it's a lot. Yeah, it's we do a, a lot. You do a lot of yeah, different things. We're like full service. For sure. Yeah. And it's interesting because you didn't originally start in the real estate industry. You were in live event production. Yeah. So tell me about that process. Like you were doing something else. You had a different job completely <coughs> and you decided to shift into real estate. Why make that change? So I was actually, I used to throw rave parties. Uh, oh, fun. Yeah. We should the, have a rave in these <laughs> apartments. <laughs> So in the 90s and back then, it's actually very similar because I'd had to find a location uh -huh. and you'd book DJs, right? And that's kind of like the team that you're putting together, right. right? And then you're marketing the party or an event or whatever the case. And so I kind of always had that kind of like skill, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after 9-11, nobody wanted to party anymore. I decided mm. to do a little bit of a career change because it was just a little bit of a hard time here, especially here in New York. Yeah. I got into real estate. I thought it was, be, thought it was gonna be something uh, temporary. Uh, I thought I just wanted to go back to doing partying again. <laughs> uh, and then probably I, when I first started, I hated it actually. Really? Yeah, I didn't like it at all. Uh, and then after maybe like two or three years, I, I just started getting really into it. And then uh, I was a Manhattan agent. Okay. And then in 2005, I was at a party in Long Island City. All uh, right. There was nothing going on over here. 
and I saw a sign for a new building that was being constructed, and I was like, you know what? I, I kind of like it over here. I think I can sell this area. Yeah. And there was n literally nothing over here. Yeah, uh, it was, was like literally not developed really at <coughs> no, all. No, there was really older, like walk-up type of railroad mm -hmm. buildings or like single-family houses, some of those, mostly industrial, and then it was just one tower, which was uh, the Citibank Tower, which wow. has been here since 1988. So from 2005 to today, we've seen a huge shift in the development of Long Island City. Correct. Um, now this is very much like, I would say, a more luxurious area to live. Uh, it's more high-end buildings. Um, back in 2005, you didn't really have that at all. No. Uh, so I know that your uh, company actually helped create many of the buildings here. Correct. So we have like a 70% uh, market share over here. Yeah. So if you know somebody who lives here, there's a seven and ten percent chance wow. that they came through us. Uh, in 2018, Long Island City was named um, the fastest growing neighborhood in America. Whoa. Um, which basically was huge because all based on all the construction and not just residential. There's mm -hmm. obviously is a huge residential development going on over here, but there's also a lot of commercial yeah, uh, going on this. over here. So just like down the block from here is the headquarters of Bloomingdale's. Uh, oh. Across the street is uh, the JetBlue headquarters. Yes, so I see that giant sign. Yeah, so there's just a lot. It's really like a live work kind of a community over here. And then we became kind of like on the world map mm -hmm. uh, during the 2019 announcement of Amazon. Right. <laughs> so when, when the whole, when, when, when the whole Amazon uh, was announced that it was going to come here, uh, we were really kind of like in the center of it all. Mm -hmm. um, everybody here kind of felt like, oh my God, this is like the lotto, right? Yeah. It was supposed to create like 25 to 40,000 jobs and it was really like exciting and it, it created a lot more interest. I was getting calls from people in like Paris. I want to buy an apartment over here. Wow. Right. So it was, de it definitely put uh, Long Island City on the global map. So how did you know that this area was going to be successful back when you were at that party <coughs> in Long Island City, middle of nowhere, you see a building for sale. Why did you decide, you know what, I'm going to invest in this area, even though there's nothing here? I, A, we're five minutes from Midtown Manhattan. Okay. Um, there, where Midtown, like in 10 minutes, you could be in Bloomingdale's. It's uh, amazing. I it's know. That's really, why I love it here. Correct. Like, so if you're living, like, it's a $7 taxi ride. Yeah. If you're living uptown or even downtown, right, it's cheaper to go to Midtown from here than it, than it is from any of those areas. Mm -hmm. Even if you're on the, west, on the west side of Manhattan, it's still quicker to get to Midtown, at least Midtown East, where everything is happening from Long Island City and anywhere else. We also have, in my opinion, uh, the nicest waterfront in the entire city. Yeah. If you haven't been to the waterfront here, it's iconic with the gantries Gantry and with the Pepsi Cola and the Pepsi Cola sign. Very iconic uh, waterfront. It's probably been uh, Instagram like 10 million times or something. Yeah, at least 5 million by <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's just, it, I just, at the time, I just kind of like saw it. Uh -huh. uh, and this one building that opened up, I was just like, you know what, let me put, I took the information and I put up an ad on Craigslist. Mm -hmm. And back then, Craigslist was like the place to put up yeah. real estate ads. Oh, yeah, it wasn't creepy. It was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have to put maybe like 10 or 20 ads to get maybe one client. Wow. When I put up this one ad, it was just one ad, I got like 40, 50 clients. And why do you think that was? I think 
it, people were, I, I, my ad was the next hot neighborhood in Long Island City mm. was my ad, it was like the subject of it. And I think just people kind of always have heard of Long Island City. Yeah. And then from that, I built like a newsletter back then and just like hustling, like, right. like I had to. And I built a client base. And when that building opened up, I was, remember, I, I wasn't like, a, I was just a regular agent, yeah. right? So I built a client base, and when the building opened up, the building opened up on April 1st, 2006. So April 1st, April 2nd, 2006, I sold 18 apartments. What? So that is... Oh my goodness. That's like, you know, back then, that was like huge. Who, you know, you, maybe if you're a good broker agent back then, you're selling one apartment a week, right? You sold a lot of units in a small amount of time, which isn't common for a real estate agent. Clearly, you had sold people on the vision of Long Island City, because in 2006, there really wasn't much here. What, how did you do that? So I started getting really obsessed with the neighborhood. Uh -huh. And being a Manhattan agent, you're really competing. In Manhattan, there's about 22,000 agents, right? So you really have a lot of competition. Mm -hmm. I knew that over here, there was really nobody focusing in this area. Mm. So I decided to, to really like learn about the history, learn about what's coming. And I would do these like walking tours. Oh, really? Yeah, so I started doing like walking towards the start. Hey, well, this was built in whatever, and this is built <laughs> over here. And, and just like I became like a tour guide almost, wow. right? Because I had so many people interested. Uh, and doing these walking tours, I would sell them, on the, sell them first on the neighborhood. Okay. And then once I sell them on the neighborhood, I sold them on the building. That's so smart. I've never heard of a real estate agent doing that. Thank you. I'm a pioneer. Yeah. I mean, that is, and that's what it takes when an industry is saturated. It's thinking, how can I do this in a way that no one else is doing it? And that's exactly what you did for Long Island City. Correct. And that's kind of like how my company, that's our philosophy. You're not just selling, you know, if you're in Manhattan and you're in Tribeca, I mean, mm -hmm. you're, you're selling a building in Tribeca, you don't need to sell Tribeca, Tribeca sells itself. Exactly. Right, so you're just selling like the interiors, you're selling the, the finishes, the architect, whatever. When you're in, in a neighborhood, especially like you guys came from a different neighborhood, we yeah. have to really like try to sell the neighborhood to a person. And like, I was not keen on moving here, and then <coughs> I saw the area and met with Vince, and uh, I just thought, oh my God, this area is perfect. So you've clearly trained your staff well too because I did not want to move to Long Island City until I was here. And then I realized how cool it is. Oh, well that, that makes me really happy. Yeah, yeah good so to hear. good job. Thank and now you. I just can't stop raving about it and I couldn't even imagine living somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, so I live here and I, I really couldn't imagine living anywhere else. Ditto. Yeah. So you clearly had an ability to sell the area. No one was doing it. What was the first step that you did to make Modern Spaces NYC a reality and get more people into Long Island City moving to, and, and moving in, essentially? So when I started the company, I was at another company uh, and another agent uh, at the we were at a, I was at a party at another agent. Another party, man. Another party. You're a party animal. <laughs> <laughs> and I was at a real estate party, uh, and another agent, a colleague of mine, uh -huh. goes to me. We were in Long Island City. He's like, "What are we doing? We should start our own company." And you were like, "Light bulb." Exactly. And the next day, we met at a bar, and we're like, "Yeah, let's make like a Long Island City focused uh, mm -hmm. company." And we found a, a space like within a month. It was a ground floor apartment because there wasn't that much retail at the, at the right. time. So it was a ground floor. It's very industrial here. It was very industrial. And so it was a ground floor apartment and we made a deal with the landlord 
where we're going to convert the ground floor into a retail space. Oh, okay. uh, and so we went into construction, signed a lease, went into construction, and then around July of that year, this was 2008, in July of that year, uh, we opened up shop, and then in September, uh, Lehman Brothers crashed, and it was the biggest economic crash in history. So you are used to surviving and really thriving in difficult environments. Yeah, September, the crash happened. We were like, what is happening? We were like, yeah. hoping to like focus on like the newer luxury stuff. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, every day we'd get walk-ins, maybe eight, 10, 12 walk-ins of people coming to us. Mm -hmm. I lost my job. I need to like change my lease, get a cheaper apartment. Every wow. day we heard that like, 10, 12 times a day. How did you handle that? It was like not easy, obviously, hearing all these people saying yeah. it. Or, e or either I lost my job or it was like, I'm getting a, I'm getting a salary cut or I don't know what's going to happen with my job or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we heard that like a lot. Wow. And so we started shifting and focusing on like the older like walk-up buildings. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the older, like these older Italian ladies who own, the, who own these buildings, huge, great characters, and I just started befriending all these old Italian ladies, like talking to, <laughs> talking to them on their porch, helping them take out their garbage, wow. uh, like little things like that. You were literally on the ground. I was really on the ground. And um, so doing that, I started getting to meet them, and then I was able, I, they would give me their listings, and then I was able to put people or rent out their apartments. And we were doing that, that kind of like carried us for the that fall mm -hmm. winter you know you hear you hear people say now oh dark winter is coming or whatever that winter was a dark winter yeah. it was like really depressing but january came uh we did one big deal mm -hmm. we did we sold an apartment for like 2.7 million great it was like lifesaver for us literally literally a <laughs> lifesaver for us and then uh, a developer approached us oh. and a developer approached us and he was sell he had a gigantic building on the waterfront and he it was with a different firm mm -hmm. and uh he says I, I i can't we can't sell any units and he's like oh my god he's like uh, i don't want the bank to take away the building and it was 177 units and he's like i need to rent out units the, the firm that i have listed with it was a manhattan firm mm -hmm. he said they said they can't do the rentals they're only focusing on the sales can you take some rentals because i need some money to come in so uh, i can pay the mortgage okay. and i'm like sure so he gave me 60 right he gave me 60 units uh we ended up renting them out in like three months wow so actually uh what happened was one of the clients we were starting advertising them one of the clients who walked in uh was uh this girl and her husband Mm -hmm. And I started talking, I rented them a really nice, uh, like, alcove studio. And I started talking to them, and she was like, you know, I got my license, but I had a bad experience with another company. I'm like, well, if you're going to live here, you might as well come work for me. And at the time, I only had maybe, like, two, three agents, mm -hmm. right? I'm like, you might as well come work for me. She's like, oh, I don't know. A week later, she shows up, um, and she's like, you know, you still hiring? I'm like, yeah, come work for me. She's like, okay. I'm like, I need help. We're busy with all these apartments that we yeah. just got. I was like, I have a great idea. This is a school of hustle. Here's here's some hustle. <laughs> yeah, tell I was me like, the hustle. Tell here's me. your hustle. I'm like, you have a furnished apartment. Let's turn your furnished apartment into a leasing office. Oh. And she's like, okay. I'm like, it's furnished. It was actually furnished really nice. I'm like, uh -huh. we'll turn it into a leasing office. She's like, okay. I'm like, so now we have a leasing office. This is the official leasing office of the building, right? <laughs> it's so technically it was It was very it. <laughs> very. So she's like, okay, that sounds good. So we would do open houses at her leasing office, right? And oh, people would come in. God. And then at the same time, I had the prices were, the prices for the sales had gone down really low. 
So at the same time, I uh, reached out to a mortgage broker friend of mine, and I was like, can you do me a favor? Can you put together like in a sheet what this would cost if you're renting, and then also what it would cost if you were to own it, and like basically gave hmm. a breakdown. So he gave me that, we had those at hand. As people walk in, I'd be like, you know, you could rent this, but you could also own this for this price, and your rent would be this much. Wouldn't you want to own it? And we ended up converting so many people to sales that we ended up doing the only sales uh, that this guy uh, was going, had going on at the time. He's like, he come, the developer comes up to me, he's like, Eric, you're doing all the rentals, you're doing all the sales. I'm going to fire the company mm -hmm. and just give you. Would you like that? Yeah, yeah, of course. And right? was this your ba first this is big Our first client? building, and it was like the biggest building on the water, on the water, biggest wow. building in the neighborhood, and it was a huge building on the waterfront. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Well, you clearly you did because you converted <laughs> all those sales. Yeah, but to operate like a building, <laughs> totally, you did not, I did not know what, did not know what to do, and it was probably like maybe a hundred and fifty million dollars worth of listings, oh right? So I remember the first day in the sales office, I'm like, okay, there's all these like reporting you have to do. Yeah and stuff like that, and we just basically learned as we went. Uh, and we did end up doing such a good job that he was like, hey, I, I own the lot next door, I want to develop it. Wow. I'm like, okay, he's like, it's already planned and designed. I'm like, okay. He showed me the plans and it was very like flashy. I'm like, you know, it's 2009, people don't have really have money anymore. Right. I don't know if people want to have something flashy, we need to do something low, low. Uh, less luxurious. Not as flashy, not yeah. less luxurious. And he was like, what do you have in mind? I'm like, can I design it for you? He's like, uh, just show me what you have. Do you have design experience? I have zero design experience. <laughs> so he's like, just show me what just you have. Just try it. <laughs> just try it. I'm just trying it. I put together like what I thought the building should look like. Mm -hmm. And I presented it to him. And he like fell in love with it. And he's like, all right, I'll, I'll design your, your vision. And he ended up designing the vision. And then he didn't even have, he didn't even have, we built out the building, we started like selling units off of floor plans, which nobody was doing at the time. Oh. Uh, and at, because he just needed to sell, people needed to make, we started learning about our clients. People were like, oh, I like the closet over here, can you move it around? So we were selling as during construction. And then we started oh, like wow. keeping track so of what people like. So you were kind of customizing like. the units Correct. based on what people were interested yeah. in. Yeah, and then we started really like learning about our clients, our buyers, and what they were like looking mm -hmm. for. And we were taking that experience, obviously, and at the time, we were also pitching other projects. So we took all that data and we started applying it to other projects also. Well, these people are looking for this and this and this. We should build something that already has this in it. And that's kind of like how our, like, our marketing and our, like, our business concept kind of like started going with using the data of the neighborhood. So how do you know when you walk into a space if it's good or bad? Because having intuition like that is something I think you either have it or you don't have it. So uh, when we're working with a developer, yeah. depending on where the location is, yeah. sometimes, so I mean, we've worked on uh, like small, I'll give you a good example, uh, the developers of this building, for example. Mm -hmm. So they were developing two buildings at the same exact time, uh, condo buildings, a few years ago. And they were probably like eight or nine blocks away from each other. Okay. And we were like, okay, we're gonna be launching two exact, two buildings, around the same time, around the same size, one was like 50, one was like 20 something units. How do we not compete with each other? Right, Right. yeah. So then we took information, a lot of, a lot of my agents were, for that year were telling me, Eric, you know, we, we get a lot of people who are looking for like pre-war hmm. co-ops and there's no, that it's a new neighborhood. Okay. So you don't really have pre-war no. over here. You have industrial factories. You have industrial <laughs> factories. 
So my pitch to them was, how about we build like a pre-war from the ground up? Oh, so interesting we, idea. So one building, we basically uh, like made it like an old-fashioned looking brick, uh, had brick interiors, had like shaker cabinetry, which is like kind of like a more of a traditional kind of like mm -hmm. kitchen look. Um, subway tiles on uh, in the bathrooms um, and more of like I guess a pre-war type of look with regards to finishes mm -hmm. we had to give this building a story um, so research yeah tell me about the process of giving a building a story because I think that's a lot of the sales process yeah so we be really believe in giving an identity a brand and a story to a building so with this particular one we were like okay there's no real pre-war history over here, uh, per se. What do we? Do? We started looking into the history, and we noticed that uh, Long Island City years ago used to be uh, used to have a bookbinding industry. Mm -hmm. um, so we were like, oh, I like that. I like kind of like that direction. Yeah. So then we were like, okay, we're gonna call the building the Bindery, and give it a history of this building used to be mm. a bindery, mm -hmm. and it was kind of like converted into these apartments, and That's that was cool. kind of like. The history. Having that story in the background, it just makes everything feel more special and yeah, give it more meaning. People connect with it more. I they think. do. Yeah. Instead of just this is a brick, you know, like correct or this, an address. Right. It, yeah. It means so much more. Yeah. So you're you're someone's getting more having more of a personal connection. Yeah. I think than saying I live in whatever address. Right. right? So when you're there's a story and there's a brand attached to the building. What's the identity of this one? <laughs> 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 this one we were just fighting and fighting and we were like, you know what, let's just, we, we just gave the address, we spelled it out with the brand. Okay. So there's no real story over here okay. uh, with this particular one, All right. uh, but, a lot, but most of the times we do do stories. <laughs> Uh, that's all right. That's I mean, okay. it's still, it's very beautifully designed. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, there's no bindery here. Okay. <laughs> but it's still lovely. Thank you. <laughs> now, you say you own seven out of every ten buildings. That still leaves three out of the other ten to be competitors. How do you compete with those people? With the other, with the other three? Yeah. Uh, well, we technically can't own 100%. Because oh, then it would be, be a, a monopoly. monopoly. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but, <laughs> you just uh, give those away. Yeah. Legally, I can't take those. Okay. <laughs> so I'm trying to be generous. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we're always we're always uh, competing, and you know, sometimes we don't get every single project that we go after, mm -hmm. and that's totally fine. Um, it it's just it is what it is. I think I like to say that ours are more successful. Yeah. Uh, than the competitors. So when you go to a building and you're competing with others to get the job, uh, what information do you provide the building so that they'll hire you over the competition? So we talk about uh, our track record, we talk about the history, um, and then we talk about like our data and information. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, none of our competitors can provide the data that we do because we can give 12 years of data and information and the developers actually need this for their lenders, for their investors. Because they can go to anybody, the person can be like, yeah, we could do this and I'll get you X amount of dollars for the apartment. How, are, how do I know you're not just telling me that? Right. Show me the proof that you can get me that. And you're, you've been here longer than anyone else, so yeah. you have the most Correct. data. So we have the, we have the most historical data, yeah. and also because we have a lot of market share over here, not just on what's current, 
but also on the pipeline. Uh -huh. So like we have probably, like we're working on stuff now that's two, three, four years away. We're working on one project that's actually a 10 year long project. Wow, really? So it's like developing like an entire neighborhood. So we can give also data on like your, on the pipeline. So if someone's gonna be coming to us, hey, I'm building this building, it's probably by the time I do the construction, it'll be coming into market in two years from now. I can tell them, okay, well in two years from now, this is what your competitors are going to be like. Mm. This is how many one bedrooms. This is how many two bedrooms. Uh, they're going to use, there's going to be three buildings, modern design, one building with a rustic design. So how do you differentiate your project from theirs? Uh, and that information is extremely valuable. Uh, and most of the time, that's usually what they end up, why they end up going with us. So it seems like it's, when people move to Long Island City, they're not just moving into a building, they're moving into a neighborhood. And to get that neighborhood going, you have to convince restaurants, shops, and other establishments to move here. Yeah. Uh, how is that part of what you do, trying to build up that whole experience outside of the building? Like, yeah. So yeah. we. Uh, so I'm on the board of several organizations in the neighborhood. One of the uh, organizations is uh, the LIC Partnership, which is mm -hmm. like kind of like the parent org of the LIC bid. Okay. Uh, and like their their sole mission is to attract businesses to come uh, to Long Island City. So, I mean, they clean the streets. They do, like if you see those beautiful banners out there. Yeah. Right, so all that stuff is what they do to help promote the neighborhood and also give a lot of like small business advice to businesses who are coming here. So in that sense, I work with them on helping. Mm -hmm. uh, my company also has a commercial division, so we help businesses come in here, whether it's finding retail or or just uh, selling a business or buying a business or whatever, we kind of like help a business doing that. We've done a lot of the small yeah, businesses there's in the a lot of really fun things popping up. This is what I love about the area. There's so much to do here. It's like you don't even have to leave. No. And when you started your business here, there was nothing. So no. a lot of yeah. that had to do with you. So I appreciate that. Thank you. It's been very enjoyable being stuck here during the pandemic, I have to say. <laughs> So Modern Spaces has opened in Long Island City, Astoria, and Jersey City. Are you thinking of expanding to other areas as well? So right now, uh, we just opened up in Jersey City. We have mm -hmm. 10 agents over there. We also just um, acquired a, a property management company. Um, so we're getting into, I guess, property management also, which is something we weren't doing before. Could you define what property management is specifically? Collecting your rent and... Oh, so that's things. not something that you do no. with yours. Okay. Yeah. In the future, maybe I'll be collecting your rent. Great. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Okay. <laughs> but that's basically what property, that's basically what property management, paying, paying all like the bills, the taxes and stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, so we just basically acquired a company based in Jersey City mm -hmm. and we rebranded it. Uh, as managing spaces. And oh, very similar. <laughs> I like it. And uh, so we're hopefully going to bring that uh, over here too and, okay. and have some properties over here. And then other markets I've kind of like thought of aside from within New York City, we want to go into uh, Manhattan and mm -hmm. uh, I've actually thought of uh, Miami. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, I think our brand would actually work uh, pretty I well in so. Miami. I do. Yeah. So you've done a lot. You've covered things that most real estate agents, I know you're more than an agent at this point, didn't even think of doing. And what I wanna know is, uh, as an entrepreneur, do you have any advice for aspiring entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think like now is actually a really good time. When I was uh, at home uh, quarantining, uh, I, 
I was excited. I was wasn't excited to be home all the time. Yeah. But I was excited because I knew that uh, in 2008, it just it's a door open for so many opportunities. Yeah. And now, unfortunately, it's very sad to see a lot of restaurants or whatever closing. But at the same time. It's also an opportunity that maybe if you want to be in the restaurant business to open up a restaurant right. or if you have a different uh, different business idea to open up a different uh, business or go into a different uh, trade or career path or whatever. Um, so one thing about times like this is that there is a lot of opportunities uh, and I'm actually very excited about 2021. Uh, 2020 when we were in quarantine we just we decided to we were all working remotely. I didn't lay off anybody or fire anybody or anything like that. And we were very content driven. We don't believe in just like selling you real estate all the time. Yeah. We just feel we're more into like giving you content and neighborhood info or whatever. And so we're going to probably like expand that selling more just the brand rather than mm -hmm. just property all the time. That's really smart. Yeah. Because people, it's so, people are exposed to so many ads every day bombarded with ads. And if you're instead focusing on content, it, it establishes a relationship with your customer Correct. where they trust you and yeah. they don't think you're just trying to sell them something all the time. No, I'm, a, I'm totally against that. If I go into a, like a boutique and I have a salesperson constantly coming to me, hey, can I help you, can I help It kind of like turns me off. I just want to leave. I want to leave, I usually want to leave. Yeah. So we try to like, we have try to have all of our agents not like bombard anybody mm -hmm. and let the person coming into the home just, feel at home, yeah. right? You know, you do your introduction, you talk about the kitchen and the build and the bathrooms and stuff like that, and that should be two or three minutes, but then you should let the person, uh, the client, really just walk around and not bother them and let them, if it's a couple or whatever, let them converse with each other and give them their privacy and let them just feel comfortable in the space. And that's kind of like how I feel mm -hmm. uh, when re with regards to uh, selling something. And I think even us, we do, we're very committed to commu the communities that our offices are in. So we, we all of our agents are constantly volunteering. Uh, we sponsor so many like nonprofits and arts groups. Uh, we, we work with the floating hospital across the street, and just so many like cool like nonprofits that we, uh, as a company, uh, work with and support. And that's kind of like part of our culture. Yeah. Uh, and we do a lot. Unfortunately, this year we haven't been doing a lot of events, but we typically do a lot of events. And in our events, mm. it's not a typical, we're not a typical brokerage where you're going to go and, hey, here's the, the flyer for this building. We don't do that at all. Well, it sounds like it's a party. Based it's a party. It's supposed to be a party. We'll have Which photo booths. I can't booth. wait till yeah. you start doing that again, by the way. That yeah, I mean, so we'll, have, we'll, we'll have photo booths. We'll hand out oh, frisbees or just like cupcakes or whatever it is and not really sell real estate at all and we just want you to have a good time when you're coming to our booth whether it's taking a photo or eating a cupcake or whatever it is uh -huh. um, and where you're kind of like thinking you're always thinking about us yeah so that when the time comes when you are looking for a home or selling your home then you'll be like hey I got that really good cupcake right. from those people one day let me give them a call so to summarize your advice to entrepreneurs is now is a great time to start and great time also focus on content over hard selling. Correct. And also if you're looking to do like a brick and mortar, I mm -hmm. think now, again, unfortunately that there's a lot of businesses going, uh, closing up, mm -hmm. but it also gives an opportunity for a new business owner to either A, make a deal with a landlord no matter where you are, right? Either get a better rent or even make some kind of like deal. Hey, we're, we're doing, we're through COVID. Can I get the first one or two years or three years where it's X amount or a little mm -hmm. bit of a profit sharing deal or whatever the case may be. And you'll probably have a lot more landlords now more open to that idea than they were a year ago.
So I should negotiate my rent is what you're saying? Uh. Noted. Thank you so much, Eric. <laughs> is there anything that you learned along your entrepreneurial journey that you wish you knew when you started out? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I learn every day. Um, I didn't go to college. Uh, and I literally just working every day is like been a big, big education. Mm -hmm. I think a couple of mistakes I made in the beginning, which I wish, which I know now, and if I would have known back then, I probably would have had eighty percent or ninety percent. But, <laughs> no, but uh, then it would have been a monopoly. Yeah, then it would have been a monopoly. But a couple, a couple of things is a always get a, a really good attorney. Mm. Um, contracts are extremely important. Um, make sure I learned you, that one too. Yes. <laughs> That's a fun one. Yeah. Okay. Make sure you do that. <laughs> yeah. Always. I know this is a go, Daddy. But always, actually, if you have an idea, I have like a couple hundred domains. I had an issue with somebody in the beginning because somebody registered my name, Eric Benheim, and I had to take them to uh, to court. No and way. Yeah, because of that, because they weren't Eric Benheim, right? <laughs> <laughs> but so always, if you have an idea for a name, like branding is so important. I just. Buy, I buy names constantly, <laughs> so always do that. And, and if you have a budget, uh, get a PR agency. Uh -huh. So always, I didn't really get, a, or in the beginning, I had a freelancer who wasn't really a PR person. Yeah. Um, and I thought they were a PR person, but they really weren't a PR person. If you're hiring a PR person, make sure they you they have real credentials. There's probably a lot of freelancers right now. Um, but make sure the PR person has credentials okay. and then PR is extremely important because if I had PR I would have that's where I probably would have had uh, my business would have boomed more because I didn't really get any press when I took over like the biggest building in right. the neighborhood and then that year I took over like three or four buildings and I hardly really got any and press. And that's such a good PR story too. Correct. Wow. Yeah, so those are really important. Uh, that is such great advice. Yes. It's been wonderful having you on the show, Thank Eric. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. And thanks to everyone who tuned in today. If you want to learn more about Modern Spaces, visit modernspacesnyc.com and follow them on Instagram at Modern Spaces. And that is all for this edition of School of Hustle. You can keep up with us on all of our other episodes on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you stream and download podcasts. And if you like what you heard, please consider leaving a review, share it with your friends, and subscribe to our show. We'll see you next time. Bye.